Hello and welcome to The Henna Hundle Show. I'm your host, Henna Hundle, and The Henna Hundle Show is a syndicated program. Here on The Henna Hundle Show, we feature the world's foremost experts for groundbreaking discussion within their respective fields, spanning medicine, science, technology, business, politics, policy, law, and more. Join me, your host, Hannah Hundle, on a mission to unpack and understand how contemporary high-impact issues are being tackled by the world's most influential leaders. For today's episode, I'm happy to bring you an installment in our 2020 U.S. presidential series, as we have an interview with Democratic candidate John Hickenlooper, the former governor of Colorado. Governor Hickenlooper started out working as a geologist, then a small business owner of a brewery in Denver, and then the mayor of the town for two terms. He went on to serve two terms as governor of Colorado, where he was known as a fiscal conservative, interested in questions of, quote, better government, not bigger government. We're going to be talking about economy, health care, and a number of other policy issues in our conversation today. Please join me now in welcoming to the program, Governor Hickenlooper. So, Governor Hickenlooper, I wanted to begin by asking about your interest in entering this race. What do you think the stakes are for the 2020 election? Well, obviously, we have to defeat Donald Trump. I think the risk that he creates, not just for this country, but for the world, is completely unacceptable. So defeating Donald Trump is absolutely essential, but it's not sufficient. I mean, we're facing a national crisis of division, and that's existed long before he became president. So, you know, I've, I got into this race because I believe I can beat him. In states, in states like Ohio and, and North Carolina and Iowa. But more importantly, I've got a record of bringing people together and doing the big progressive things that everyone else is just talking about. Yeah. And you mentioned a national state of division. And I understand that when you served as mayor of Denver and as governor of Colorado, you were noted as having the support of many Republican business leaders. With so much gridlock and discord on the national stage, I'm wondering if you can talk about your experience with coalition building and if and how you would work to instill a bipartisan spirit on a national level. You bet. And I, I spent 15 years in the restaurant business learning how to listen to angry customers and you know, building bridges. And you learn to when someone's really upset, you repeat back to them in their same words. I'm not sure this would work with Mitch McConnell, but in many cases, really taking the time to hear people listen to them and, and repeat their own words, they begin to have some level of trust once, once they feel heard. And once you have trust, you can begin to collaborate. And I always tell my staff, we collaborate at the speed of trust. And I think that's part of, when I got into politics, when I ran for mayor of Denver in 2003, I'd never run for student council or class president, but I made a commitment that I wasn't going to attack my opponents so I could get notoriety or get noticed, so I could get on TV or in the newspaper. And I wasn't going to do attack ads. I've never done an attack ad. What I wanted to do was really create a vision of what good government would look like and what Denver could be as a city, what Colorado could be as a state. And now I'm working on trying to create what the United States can be as a country. Yeah. And, and in terms of what we can be as a country, I wanted to talk about some policy issues you've been vocal about recently, especially on Twitter. You've stated that you view universal health care as a right, 
but don't think that's necessarily contingent on stamping out private health insurance. Ideally, what measures would you want to see implemented to increase access to coverage? So we got to near universal coverage in in Colorado by expanding Medicaid and creating one of the most innovative uh, health exchanges in the country. The next step, I think, has to be a public option. And it could be Medicare or some combination of Medicare and Medicare Advantage. I'm a big fan of telemedicine in terms of improving rural health care. But the key is, I don't think we want to tell 180 million Americans that they've got to get rid of their private insurance in the next four years. Better to create a public option that's like Medicare or Medicare Advantage, the best practice, and let people migrate to that public option. And as it grows, costs will continue to come down. Quality will continue to improve. And and ultimately, I think we get to a point where, you know, maybe in 15 years, we have a single payer, right? We have Medicare for all, you know, some some best practice that becomes Medicare for all. But it's an evolution, not a revolution. Mm-hmm. And your disfavor of eliminating the private option, I think, is in line with your general disfavor of government overreach because you've stated that, quote, socialism is not the answer in one of your recent speeches. Are you concerned about the rhetoric in the Democratic Party right now? Well, I do believe that the Democratic Party could do a better job of clearly stating that we are not supporting socialist efforts and that we're not socialist. I mean, the Republicans are going to say it anyway. There's no question about that. But as we saw in the midterms, when there's absolutely no truth to it, then the the pragmatic candidates that we put in those swing districts, they ended up winning. And I think this presidential election is going to be the same thing, that we need to recognize that our solutions aren't necessary, aren't necessarily going to include massive expansions of government, a guarantee a guaranteed federal job for every man, woman, and child is part of the Green New Deal. I think we've got to be more more pragmatic. Mm-hmm. And on the note of pragmatism, clearly right now there's an intense focus on the primary itself, but ultimately, as you mentioned, that nominee will have to go head-to-head with President Trump. And I'm curious about what other qualities you think that nominee should possess in order to be able to face off against President Trump besides pragmatism. What should voters have their eye out for? Well, at first, we should recognize that pragmatism doesn't mean you don't do the big progressive things. It means you Mm -hmm. figure out how to do them. And, you know, what we did in Colorado, we got to near universal health care. But we did it with, again, a public option or, you know, expanding Medicaid and and creating exchange almost became a public option. Uh, We got to uh, universal background checks for gun safety. We were the first state to get the oil and gas industry to sit down with the environmental community and actually create methane regulations, methane 25 times worse than CO2 for climate change. I mean, in each of these cases, it was a a real progressive achievement, but it was done in a pragmatic way. And I think I think voters, in, especially in Ohio and Michigan or North Carolina and Pennsylvania, I think voters are going to look for someone who can deliver on the kitchen table issues that face America. So we're talking about quality of jobs, talking about universal Mm health care, but at an affordable rate and, you know, climate change. I mean, these are things that people really care about. On the topic of climate change, as you know, there's a wing of the party right now, the progressives, that's pushing for the Green New Deal, which you've termed as a, quote, massive government expansion. 
So what type of action would you be in favor of on the issue of climate change that meets the urgency and enormity of the issue? Sure. And, I, you know, I've got a master's in geology, so I understand the urgency that mm-hmm. is in the Green New Deal. And I agree with it. We, right? We've got 10 or 12 years max before we begin to undergo irreversible damage to this planet. And, and we need to go as hard as we can. But that means we've got to stay laser focused on the things that really matter. So in Colorado, as I said, we did methane regulations, uh, first state in the country to do it. Now they're being rolled out as national policy in Canada. It's got to be national policy all around the globe. We've got to make sure we close coal plants and replace them, as we have in Colorado, with wind, solar, and batteries, no natural gas. And in Colorado, we were able to do that in such a way that the average utility bills came down. We've got to figure out how to address some of the issues around making sure we have a network of rapid recharging stations for electric vehicles so there's no bottleneck. As, as we begin to, to transition into electric vehicles, we need to make sure that there, there isn't a blockage or, a, or, or you know, a bottleneck that slows down that transition because of a lack of recharging stations. You look at some of the things around heavy industry. Concrete mm-hmm. gives off a lot of CO2 when it cures, when it sets. Well, we can, through innovation and research, we can figure out ways to mitigate that and dramatically diminish it. Same thing with uh, uh, emissions from agricultural uses. These are all things we know what the solutions are. We just have to you know, get, our, our, get our work going and, and make sure we can implement the solutions we know we have. And finally, I wanted to bring up reproductive rights because you were the first candidate to mention it during the Democratic debates, uh, the second one. Why is that an issue that's important to you in particular? And what would you do about the affronts to it on a national scale? Well, you know, my mother was widowed twice before she was 40 years old. She, uh, you know, I was eight years old when my dad, her second husband, passed away. And her whole life, as she raised four kids by herself, she believed that, that a woman's freedom was an inalienable right. And then she mm-hmm. thought that part of that right was the ability to control when they wanted to have a family. And mm-hmm. even the years where we had very, very little money, she would always try, try and find a way to, to make a, a donation to Planned Parenthood. And what we did in Colorado, again, we expanded that reproductive freedom, reproductive rights, to, so that any woman who wanted long-acting reversible contraception, like Norplants or IUDs, they could have that uh, long-acting reversible contraception. And we reduced unintended pregnancies by 54%. And we reduced teenage abortion by 64%. Those, those successes are kind of the definition of progressive achievement. And we did it at the same time we saved $70 million over five years for the Colorado taxpayers. I mean, that's, to me, that's pragmatic progressivism. And that was an interview with 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, Governor John Hickenlooper. I really value today's conversation, and I hope you found it informative, too. You've been listening to The Hannah Hundle Show. I'm your host, Hannah Hundle, and I thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.